place of our seats. Sit as queens and kings. Mommy said that we are ambassadors. Hallelujah. I don't know if, if you know the kingdom you represent. If you understand the kingdom you represent, it will direct your living in this temporal environment you find yourself. Hallelujah. Now, the kingdom you represent is not the kingdom that is earthly. So the kingdom that is earthly is not a kingdom that is natural, but a spiritual kingdom. And it is quite very essential that we don't forget where we are from, that we are living, right? We've been talking about the life of the believer the past three Sundays, the life of the believer. Our living here on earth will be with a consciousness of where we are coming from. Hallelujah. You know, in Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 talks about, you know, our identity and where we come from. Give me Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. Our key scripture in this teaching says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. And the word above there is referring to heaven. We should seek the things that are where? That are in heaven. Things that are heavenly. Our consciousness and our attention should be on the things that concerns where we are coming from. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2. Set your mind on the things that are above. Set your mind on the things that are above. Even though we are here on earth physically, but our mind and our consciousness and what directs our living here on earth must be the consciousness of where we're coming from. Hallelujah. We are ambassadors for Christ here on earth. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Verse 3, for you died. And what it means we dying is that we cease to live from the natural point of view. We cease to exist from what? From the carnal point of view. You've died and your life is hidden. Our life, even the life we live right now, is, is hidden with Christ in God. Hallelujah. And then we began by saying that, you know, we are, we are, we, 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 we are, we are spirits. We are spirit beings. That is how we come into union with God. We are spirit beings. And then we, we live in this physical body. But then we have a mind and a consciousness. Hallelujah. Now living in the spirit is living by the written word. That was what we said last week. That when we say we should live in the spirit that is living the life that is directed and influenced by the spirit, what we are saying is that our life should be, in, should be directed by the word of God. The, the word of God and the spirit of God are not separate. You can't separate the spirit of God from the word of God. So the inspiration of the spirit, the word of God is the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And the desire of God has been tangibly given to us in his written word. So our, our response, first and foremost, must be to his written word. As we respond to his written word, what we are doing is that we are responding to his spirit because the word is birthed by the spirit of God. And we say that the antidote to living the sinful lifestyle, the cure for living a sinful lifestyle is actually living by the Spirit, responding to the Holy Spirit leading in us. It's not by certain rules and regulations. It's not by making new year resolutions of the things we want to do and the things we don't want to do. But it's by, you know, yielding ourselves to the, to the Holy Spirit. 
by yielding ourselves to the Spirit of God. It's not by human indulgence. It's not by you certain regulations of the things you want to do or the things you don't want to do. It's not even by following rules that our parents set for us, as many of us, as you know, we come from homes that we have rules set for us. That is not what prevents you from living a sinful lifestyle. What makes you able to live above sin, above the flesh, above even demonic forces is by responding to what? To the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, praying in the Holy Spirit, that is praying in tongues, particularly as the way we started by, you know, demonstrating here, you know, builds up the believer. Praying in tongues brings you into the realm of where you come from. Hallelujah. The doorway into the experience of the supernatural is true. It's true. The gift is a gift God has given to us. It's a gift that when we pray in the spirit, we pray in tongues. What we do is that we access what? We access the supernatural. That is our spiritual realm. It's a doorway into the manifestation of the spiritual, the heavenly realm. So today what we're going to be doing practically is to just explain two things, to answer two questions. What is tongue? What When we talk about tongues, you know, sometimes when we say you should pray in tongues, I see some people standing, they don't even know what, what, what does it mean to pray in tongues. I, I admit and I appreciate the fact that we come from different backgrounds, different church backgrounds, different denominations, different experiences, different cultures and traditions. But what unifies us is the understanding of the scriptures. Hallelujah. What brings us into union as brothers and sisters? What brings us into union? What, what, should, what should equalize us is the understanding by which we receive by the Spirit through the Word. So by the grace of God, we're going to you know, answer the question of what tongues is to have us understand. And then we're also going to ask or to answer the question, who should speak in tongues? I've come in encounter with people in church here. You know, when you ask them, encourage them to speak in tongues, they tell you, see, it's not for me. You know, and we assume that this is for some specific people or sometimes because we don't understand what it is, then it's, it's a, it's a well-sounding nonsense to our ears because we don't, we don't understand it. We don't appreciate it. We don't value it. And anything that we don't appreciate, we don't value, we will not benefit from such a gift. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you this, that a believer should speak in tongues. Amen. It is essential. See, if many of the challenges we face, the reason why at many times we suffer defeat is our inability to consciously and deliberately allow the spiritual realm of God to influence our living here on earth. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, verse 11. Let's, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11 to give a foundation to these two questions we'll seek to answer. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were, gen you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, 
but the same spirit. There are difference, differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But all, verse 7, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gift of healings by the spirit by the same spirit verse 10 to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues this is where we're establishing different kinds of tongues verse 10 it says to another working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues to another the interpretations of these tongues 11 the last verse here but one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills that is as the spirit himself has willed we express these giftings hallelujah so let's look at verse 1 it says the word verse 1 it says now concerning spiritual gifts the word spiritual gifts the word gift here from verse 1 is, is in italics, meaning that it was not in the original Greek text, but added by translators in order to make meaning out of the verse. So, to read it in the original text will mean concerning spiritual. Means concerning spiritual, concerning spiritual life, concerning, concerning the things of the spirit, concerning the spiritual life, referring to the supernatural life, referring to the life that is not lived in the natural realm. Hallelujah. So the emphasis is not just about gifts, but it's concerning a civilization. It's concerning a kind of life. Concerning what? Spiritual life. Concerning the spirituals, as some texts will put it. And then he went on to say, I do not want you to be ignorant. Ignorant here does not mean they are unaware of the spiritual life. The word ignorance here, as used by Paul to the Corinthians, is not connoting that the Corinthians are not aware of, you know, spiritual life or the, the, the spiritual giftings as it may be. If the Corinthians were totally in ignorance, Paul would have begun, as he always does in his, in his epistles, he would have begun by teaching them about who the spirit is, and how they come into the spiritual life. But here, we see through that. That was not the foundation of his teaching to them. In earlier verses, we can see clearly that the Corinthians knows about the spiritual life. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 to 7. Let's move to chapter 1, verse 4 to 7. To see that the Corinthians were already aware of this life. It says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you. By Jesus. So he is referring to a grace that was given to them by Jesus, verse 5, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. In all utterance and all knowledge. So they are aware of the spiritual life. Verse 6 it says, Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you which means that they know about the gospel, which means that they have known about the saving grace that comes through Jesus Christ. Verse 7, it says, so that you, you come short in no gifts. Hallelujah. 
to this end that they come short in no gifts, eagerly awaiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which will mean that Paul was writing to believers who are born again, who knows what it means to live in the Spirit. Hallelujah. So then, let's look at another verse, verse chapter 2, verse 4. We'll see again, chapter 2, verse 4. It says, and, yes, and my speech and preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So it therefore means that they have, they've seen the practical expression, the practical demonstration of the spiritual life through teaching and through practice. Hallelujah. So what does the ignorance here mean? What does it mean for them not to be ignorant? So when Paul was saying, I, 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 in, verse, in, verse two, in verse 1, chapter 12, verse 1. Give me chapter 12, verse 1. Yes, that, yes, chapter 12, verse 1. Yes, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So what does that, what will that ignorance mean? Since we've established that these men already know what the spiritual life is. So what will that ignorance mean? When translated from the Greek, original Greek word, the ignorance here means a deliberate, listen to me, it means a deliberate, willful, or unwillingness to do the word. That is what that ignorance means. Something that is coming out of will, deliberately, you know, this is what it is. But you choose not to walk in accordance to what has been explained to you, or in accordance to what you've tested, in accordance to what you've experienced. The unwillingness to practice the things of the spirit. And one of the manifestations of the things of the spirit, as Paul is communicating to them, is what? Is tongues. We saw it in verse 10. The gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And that is our focus. So what are tongues or what is tongues? Let's go to Isaiah as our culture in church. Whenever we want to establish a doctrine for anything to be as a doctrine, first of all, we say that it must have been mentioned in the Old Testament, either in a prophecy, and then practiced or taught by Jesus Christ, or practiced by the early church, and written by the apostles in the epistles, for us to see it established as a doctrine. So let's go to Isaiah 28 verse 9. Isaiah 28 verse 9, the prophecy of Isaiah. Of Isaiah. From verse 9 to verse 11. Whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk. Those just drawn from the breast. For precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little, there a little. Verse 11, which is my focus. For with stammering lips. And another tongue. Another tongue. Will he, will he, okay, he will speak to his people. Hallelujah. So what does stammering tongues here implies? It implies to something that is unintelligible. When translated from the original Hebrew, stammering here implies unintelligible, 
Something that doesn't make sense to the natural mind. Something that when you hear, you don't even understand. You don't, it doesn't make sense. It's gibberish. And then another tongue here implies something strange and different. Hallelujah. It means strange and what? And different. When translated. So, let's examine Jesus' explanation in Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 verse 17. Give me Mark chapter 16 verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. What sign? In my name they will do what? They will cast out demons. They will speak with what? With new tongues. They will speak with new tongues. Hallelujah. The word new tongues here means it is yet to be spoken. It means that this tongue has not been heard before. It means that this tongue is new to their understanding. It means it's a different kind of tongue they're going to speak with. Hallelujah. Now let's look at another occurrence in Acts chapter 2 verse 4. Acts chapter 2 verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Earlier on, we saw the word new tongues explaining the same thing. Here we see that word. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterances. So here, the word other tongues means, when translated, means a strange, something strange. Something that I've not been heard before. Something strange. It means a strange and another kind of means of communication. Another kind of means of what? Of communication that they've not known before. Now let's check 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 2. Remember, our goal is to understand what tongues is. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 2. Yes. It says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but God, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. He who speaks in a tongue, does verse 2 alone. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but he speaks to God. For no one understands him, which means that there is no understanding in what the person is uttering. There is no possibility for you to understand what he's uttering because he's not speaking to you. Who is he speaking to? He's speaking to God. Hallelujah. So when we begin the practice of speaking in tongues here, we are not expecting that you should be listening to somebody or try to interpret what somebody is saying. Of course, there's a place for tongues and interpretation, which by the grace of God, we'll look at it in later The word unknown, right? The word unknown in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, is it? Give me all King James. There's a word unknown, a tongue here, but in the all King James, he said he will speak in an unknown tongue. And the unknown. I'm so grateful for this translation. They didn't put the unknown, you see. It says, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue. The new King James says, in a tongue. 
in an unknown town. Unknown there is not in the original text, the Greek text. It is in italics as well. Meaning it was added by translators. And what they are trying to, com what they are trying to communicate by the understanding of their translation is that it's referring to something different, a different mode of communication. Hallelujah. It's unknown because it's not known to men. It's unknown because it's something that is not communicated to men. He's speaking an unknown tongue, speaking not unto men, clearly, but unto God, for no man understandeth him, how be it in the spirit. He speaketh mysteries. He speaketh mysteries. He speaketh mysteries unto God. Hallelujah. So there are three things we cannot about tongues that is very, very important. First and foremost, tongues are not and never addressed to men. Amen? Tongues are what? Are never addressed to men. So the idea that the hearer must understand what is spoken is not correct because it is not directed to you, but it's directed to God, which means that you have no business in trying to understand what the tongues that another person is speaking. Secondly, tongues are addressed to God. Hence, no other man understands tongues. The address of tongues is what? Is to God. It's to the spirit that lives in you. Hallelujah. And then thirdly, tongues are spoken out. Mysteries are seen in the verse. Mysteries in the spirit. So the mind of man might not necessarily comprehend. So for you to comprehend what you speak by the spirit through tongues, there will be need for an interpretation in order to relate to the physical and also to understand what God is saying. Hallelujah. As I said, we'll deal with interpretation another time. So who should speak in tongues? Who should speak in tongues? I said earlier on, I've had some people say, ah, I've tried, but I cannot. You know, this is not for me. It's not for us. It's no, you know. And then they've turned it into, you know, jokes. I've seen people that don't believe in the, in the, in the, in the issue of speaking in tongues. It's okay. It's all right. You know, not to believe. But if you are here, we'll teach you the word of God. And our desire is that you come to full understanding of what the word of God says concerning every single issue in the Bible. Hallelujah. So who should speak in tongues? Mark chapter 16 verse 17. Where we read Aaron on Mark 16 verse 17. Who should speak in tongues? Who should speak in tongues? And these signs shall follow them. Who are they? Them, them that believe. Them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils. Devils, they shall speak with new tongues. Which means that they that believe, the sign that will follow them is that they will cast out devils. Which means that they that believe should be able to cast out devils. Secondly, they shall speak with new tongues. It's a sign to those that believe. What then is to be believed? Believe what? To them that believe what? Verse 15. Take it back to verse 15. We'll see what to believe in. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So, them that believe what? Believe what? The gospel. Verse 16. He that believeth, that is in the gospel in verse 15, 
and is baptized. Now, baptism here, listen and listen carefully. It's not talking about water baptism. Amen? Because whenever we see baptism in the Bible, the first thing that comes to our mind is water. And if it was water, the Bible would be very clear and put water, baptized in water here. Hallelujah. So that we know that the baptism here is talking about water baptism. Now, we're not saying the water baptism is evil. But what we're trying to communicate is that what Jesus Christ is speaking, baptized here, is about teaching. Is about, is about doctrine. Whoever believed and is baptized, that is immersed in this understanding, in this belief, in this doctrine about Jesus Christ, about the gospel, will be saved. Because actually salvation does not come by baptism in water. Hallelujah. It's by being what? Baptized in the truth. It's an experience, a spiritual experience. But he does not believe will be condemned. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Then we have verse 17. Obviously. Verse 17. And this sign will follow those who believe in the gospel, who are baptized in this truth. In my name, that is in the authority. The name here represents authority. The authority that is in Jesus Christ. By the authority of Jesus Christ that has been delegated as ambassadors of this message. The ambassadors that carry, you know, this message and believe in it. In my name, in my authority, they will cast out demons. So the demons, you know, being cast out is by the authority that is delegated that we possess as a result of our union with Christ. And then they will speak with new tongues as another sign of believing in the gospel. Hallelujah. So tongues are for those who believe in the gospel of Christ. Tongues are for those who what? Who believe in the gospel of Christ. So the question I want to give you is, do you believe in the gospel of Christ? If you believe in the message and you are born again in this message and you are baptized in this message, it means that you should be able to speak in tongues. Hallelujah. It means that you should speak in tongues. Then why is it that many times we don't speak in tongues? Number one issue is knowledge. Amen? Challenges that we face as believers is always a knowledge-based challenge. Either from what we've been taught, either by our experiences, that is not the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. So the desire that whenever we come to God's word is that there will be edification. It, that, 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 that there will be building up that we will be informed about what God has said and what God has done through us. Done in us through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So tongues are for those who believe in the gospel of Christ. It accompanies those who believe and it is a sign to those who do not believe. When you believe, the gift of tongue accompanies you. Now, to you, it accompanies you, but it's a sign to unbelievers. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22. It is a sign. Therefore, tongues are for a sign. Amen? They are for a what? For a sign. Alright? What sign? Not to those who believe, but to who? But to unbelievers, to them is a sign, but to you is not a sign. But prophesying, now tongues and interpretation of tongues is prophesying. 
when you speak in tongues and then by the help of the spirit of God you're able to understand what you're ministering and then you're able to communicate in audible and understandable words it becomes prophecy so when you speak in tongues and you explain the tongues you, you speak in there's edification to others hallelujah but prophesying is not for unbelievers but for those who what who believe acts chapter acts chapter 2 verse 33 acts chapter 2 verse 33 acts chapter 2 verse 33 therefore being exalted to the right hand of god and having received from the father the promise of the holy spirit he pour out this to which you see and hear. Making reference to what? To the tongues that the early church were speaking. That the disciples were speaking. They were speaking. It's a sign to those who do not believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's look at some examples in the Bible. Let's look at some examples in the Bible. Of believers that believed and then they spoke in tongues. The 120 disciples manifested the gift of tongues in chapter 2, verse 4. Chapter 2, verse 4 of Acts. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. They believed and they spoke in tongues. This was the first time that it was mentioned that it actually happened. Then the Gentile believers in Acts chapter 10 Acts chapter 10 verse 44 to 46. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. So first of all, they heard the word. And what Peter was speaking here, it was speaking concerning Christ. He was preaching the gospel to them. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Those who were hearing what he was teaching, verse 45. And those of the circumcision, that is, the Jewish people, they were with him. Those of the circumcision who believed, they are already believers. They were astonished. Why were they astonished? Why were they surprised? They were astonished as many as come with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Verse 46. For they heard them. What did they hear them? They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God and then we see Peter continuing conversation answering it and making explanation hallelujah so they believe the message and these are Gentiles so regardless of whether you are a Jew or you are Gentiles what equalizes us what brings us to alignment is our belief in the message concerning the Christ and when we believe we receive the fullness of the spirit living in us and the fullness of the spirit living in us is that all the multifacets of the gifts that is indwelling the spirit is in you as a believer. Therefore, you have the capacity as a believer in this gospel message to manifest this gift. And one of these gifts is a gift of tongues. Which is very important for us if we must live victoriously in this earthly realm, in this physical realm. If we must, 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 must exercise the supernatural endowment we have in the spirit realm, the doorway into the manifestation of this supernatural is the gift of tongues. 
Hallelujah. So therefore, it is necessary as believers, we continually, first and foremost, in our closet, spend time with God. Express and, 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 and exercise his tongue, this gift of tongues. Acts chapter 19 verse 16 is another place. We see the believers after they had believed. Then the man, no, 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 Acts chapter 19 verse 6, not 16. Where Paul, yeah. And when Paul had laid hands on them, after he had preached the gospel to them, he laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they what? They spoke with tongues, and they interpreted the tongues to which they spoke. Hallelujah. That is what it means to prophesy. Amen. And of course, the Corinthian church, that is our focus, also spoke in tongues. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18. We see here clearly that these Corinthians, they know and they spoke in tongues as well. First Corinthians 14 verse 18. I thank my God. I speak in tongues more than you all. This Paul is speaking. Paul himself, he exercised and expressed the gift of tongues. And then he's saying to the Corinthians, say that I myself, I do what? I, I speak even more than you all. Verse 26. Yes, 26, 26, 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, which means that these people speak in tongues. Have a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. So as they come together, as they speak in tongues and the interpretation of these tongues, which is prophecy, is done in the congregation of the believers the goal is that we edify one another. Hallelujah. So Paul used the term everyone, which implies the garden of believers. Each person is expected to speak with tongues, since tongues is a sign that follows those who believed. It's an expectation. So when we come in here, and we expect, we expect every believer, when it is a believer's gathering, it's expected that there's a word, there's interpretation of tongues, there's prophecy, Hallelujah. This edification is a place where the believer is giving room to be to, 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 to is giving room to be edified. Because it is evident that all believers in Christ can speak with tongues. And everywhere we saw in the gift, we saw, you know, the gift is expressed. There's no exemption. No one is exempted. Anywhere we saw the gift in operation, there's no exemption. There is no qualification. You don't need to be specially qualified before you can exercise or express the gift of the Spirit. Hallelujah. And it's not only concerning tongues alone. Even the gift of healing. Amen. Every believer can heal. Every believer can cast out devils because you believe in Jesus. But is it every believer that does it? No. Why? Knowledge. Knowledge problem. Hallelujah. It's a knowledge problem. So every believer can speak in tongues. It is evident. There's no qualification for tongues. The only qualification is faith in Christ. Faith in Christ makes it possible for all who believe to speak. To speak with tongues. Hallelujah. So you must covet earnestly as a believer. 
Not only that, yes, you know, I know about the gift of the Spirit. I know about tongues. I speak in tongues. But you must not be ignorant. That ignorance is with a willful disobedience to, our, to actually exercising the gift of tongues. You must constantly exercise the gift of tongues. Our desire is that all of us, as Paul, wish the Corinthian church that they all speak in tongues. That they all express themselves. That they all be able to speak in tongues. You must earnestly covet the spirit, the gift of the spirit. First Corinthians 12, verse 31. We see where Paul was making this. That earnestly they should covet the gifts. Earnestly the gifts. But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. Earnestly. And being earnest about something means that your, your heart, you are, you are desiring to what to express. When there's no desire to express, then there will be no expression. When there's no desire to eat, then there's no eating of food. So there must be a desire and this desire must be earnest. Must be something that is, 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 is genuine. Someone that is earnest about speaking in tongues will not even tolerate when people are speaking against speaking in tongues. Because if you're earnest about it, you seek to know the truth about it. You speak, you seek to know the essence of the Bible is that we will, we will, we will, we will live by the instructions that is in the scriptures. Hallelujah. So we must be earnest about our quest to express the gift that is given to us freely as a result of our belief in Jesus Christ. You must fan into flame that which is in you. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 3. We see here Paul as well admonishing Timothy. And also it's an admonition to all of us here today. That we fan into flame the gift. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. As I my my, my forefathers did as without season I remember you in my prayers night and day. Verse 2. Verse 4 rather. Verse 4. Verse 4. Yes, verse 4. Greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears. Being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you which dwell first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I persuaded is in you also. Verse 6. Therefore, I remind you, do what? Stay up the gift of God. This is an action. Stay up. Fun. Stay up simply means there's something that is already in you. Amen? As many of us are from Africa, you know what? how to fan a flame, right? You know how to use wood or coal to cook. Let's not do as if we don't know. You know how to find a flame, you know, is to put it to work. Amen? Is to revigorate it, make it happen. You can't find a flame that is not there. Imagine you go to the kitchen and there's wood and you are finding it with fire come out. It's impossible. Hallelujah. It's impossible to steer something that is not there. So when the scripture says find to flame, it simply means stir up what has already been put in you. Now, the fact that you don't speak in tongues does not mean that you don't have the ability to speak in tongues. It's you that has to stay it up by earnestly desiring and by earnestly learning. You know, the things of the Spirit can be taught. We've established it here. 
The things of the spirit can be taught. That is why we are teaching it. Hallelujah. So as we are teaching these things, desire to manifest it and go forth and manifest it. Hallelujah. Stay up. I remind you, stay up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. That is the reason why many of us are not able to express the giftings. Oh, you heard of a brother that says he's sick. For you to just say, let me pray. Let me just stretch out my hand and pray. You are afraid of what if I pray and it doesn't happen? What if I pray? What will people say about me? And that's not the kind of spirit God has given to us. Because the spirit that is in us is on the spirit of fear. It's a spirit that is willing to heal the sick. Amen? And to cast out devils. And to speak in new tongues. Hallelujah. So, fear is not what God has put in, in us. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sound mind. That is the kind of spirit we've received. Therefore, we can stay up. Fan to flame. That which God has deposited in us. As we believe in the word. Sometimes, you know, what we do is that we quench the spirit. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Admonishes the believers. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. says, do not quench the spirit. It means that you can quench the spirit. It means that you can shut up the spirit from expressing in you. Amen? Galatians 5, verse 16 says, we should walk responsive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Then we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Which means that we have the will to not walk according to the leading of the spirit. As much, we have the capacity to quench the spirit of God because the spirit is not a terrorist. Amen? It's not a manipulative spirit. The spirit of God can never manipulate your will. If the spirit is meant to manipulate your will, God will not have given you a will in the first place. Hallelujah. So you have to utilize your will to do what? To walk according to the leading of the spirit that is in you already. You do not quench the spirit. You do not shut up. It means to, 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 to make the spirit quiet. To make it dormant. It means to make it inactive. It, makes, it means to, 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 to make the spirit of God seems to be inactive in you. It doesn't have any... We will see the result in your life. Even as a believer. That is why the believer will be misbehaving. Because he's quenching the spirit. The spirit is prompting you to live... To, to, to act in a certain way, but then you are doing what? You are quenching the spirit. And we can also quench the spirit by not manifesting, expressing the gifts of the spirit. So my desire is that as a church, we will hunger and thirst daily that we manifest all that is in us. That is a prayer of Paul to the, Corinth, to the Ephesians church. That they may know all that they have in Christ Jesus. All that Christ has made manifest by the virtue of his death and his resurrection. Chapter 20. Verse 20 rather. Verse 20. Do not quench the spirit. Yes. Do not despise prophecies. The spiritual things can be despised. 
And how do we despise spiritual things? We despise spiritual things by, ah, this is for them. You know, when a sister says, I have a word for you, yeah, you know, you know, it's not for, you know, I remember when we used to do those things. You know, it's not for us. We are, we know what we're doing now. But there was once upon a time they were hungry for what? For prophecy. Hungry for you to prophesy as well. Amen? To express the giftings of the spirit. But right now you've come to a certain stage that you are despising it. You know, it's, it's what you watch on comedy. Hmm? What they call comedy. What they call content creation. It's something that they make mockery of and you laugh and then you despise. And it's one of those things that they use in making jokes. And you laugh about it and then you sleep over it. But these are eternal things that came about by the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So are you despising the things of the Spirit? Are you despising prophecy? Prophecy here, as I said, is tongues and interpretation. Not only that people prophesy and they interpret it to you, but that you yourself are able to manifest, express, give expression. Remember this year, our desire is that we walk in a life that is the life of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So there must be a stirring within you. There must be a desire that I manifest to his fullness that which God has put in me. Therefore, we must build up ourselves. Jude verse 20. Building up yourself in the most holy faith. Jude verse 20. There is an edification. There's a building up that happens in the believer when you pray and you give expression to the things of the Spirit. And my desire is that each and every one of you will manifest. Hallelujah. It is for everyone that believes. It is for you. Even if you've never expressed any, it is for you because you believe in Jesus Christ. So even as we are preparing for this catechismus and the believers meeting, the believers, the essence, to, the essence of the believers meeting is that we will be equipped to manifest the fullness of all the deposits that Christ has put in us. And one of it that is, that is operational by the believer, you can, you, can, you can express it by will, is tongues. Hallelujah. 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 So can we just speak in tongues at this moment? As you're seated, we're going to take some few minutes Speak in tongues at this moment. We're going to take some few minutes to do that. Edify yourself. If you've never spoken in tongues before, believe and trust what the word of God has said. And let there be an expression. We're going to teach you more. We know that by knowledge and by practice, there will be effectiveness. Just, just open your mouth and begin to speak to God. Speak to your father, your heavenly father, your father that is from above. Him whom you've come into union with. Him whom we've come into union with. That you may be edified, that you may be built up, that you may receive strength. The anointing to live a godly life. The capacity to live the godly life. The ability to live the godly life. Le prasukuita le maroskite le prasha sakaya 
je lembre se kili prakusu lupra niti kile prazis kata ja lambra sukita li maraskite li prakaya mara pasunda la parusa kashele bereskitile prekusa mara kusa laka see the reason why we speak in tongues publicly here is so that we will help you to speak in tongues that when you go to your closet you can properly spend time with god in hours to speak in tongues in hours spending time with your heavenly father and building up yourself in the most holy faith so be encouraged to speak in tongues edify yourself this is your father's house li paruskiti li maraskasha la prazuze je lembre ce qu'il est prazuska la praruskiti la pa li maraskala praziza Maruska le prenende pasa kala prazuza jelembre sekile praziske tila paya maramba ruskile prezize jeli marasgula prazija kata li marata le prezekishe li prania maruskata le praziske tia jalombrozoseske li prania li parakuso la